most agents who just go to real estate school and say, I'm going to go look for a traditional buyer seller. They don't have that need to do that much work that quickly. Um, when I'm talking to our new agents now, I say, pick houses and just start comping them, right? Get, you know, take a list of every single new house that hits the market and, and give me a price of what you think it should be listed for. That's the, you gotta get those reps, right? You gotta get those repetitions in, you gotta get those at-bats, whatever the analogy you wanna use in. Comping houses, especially in an area like Las Vegas where a vast majority of them are track-built homes, is the best and fastest way to learn the market. So the question is this, how do most agents succeed in today's competitive real estate market when all the successful agents are keeping the secrets to themselves? So that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. I interview agents from all over the world. I ask them their tactics, and they share all of their secrets with me so we can give them to the world. I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. You're in for a treat today. I know I say that every once in a while, but the but you guys are going to get to be behind the scenes on a conversation between two friends that haven't talked to each other in years, but we started our real estate journeys you know, pretty much together around the same time many, many years ago. A lot of the same up and downs, a lot of the same processes. I think about six or seven months ago, I told him he needed to like you know sign up to get on the podcast. And it only took six or seven months for him to finally <laughs> take me up on it. Today, I get to talk to Jeff Zaylor, uh, broker of Zaylor Properties, Las Vegas, Nevada. What's up, Jeff? Aaron, how you doing, bud? Good to see you. Good to actually, you know, text every once in a while, but good to actually see you and not just on a reel or this or that. So good to see you, bud. Yeah, it's funny. Like social media helps it f feel like we don't we don't miss a beat. I feel like I, I recognize the voice. We get to see the videos and the other stuff about life. But today... I get to ask a question and I get to hear the answers right away there we instead go. of waiting you know, <laughs> for the text back. So the so you've been in real estate a while. We'll yeah. get into that in a second, but what's the real estate market going on? What's it like right now out in Las Vegas? Man, so Vegas is, I always say Vegas and, and you're in Austin, so it's very similar. We're a high amplitude city, right? So when things are good in the economy, things are really cooking in Vegas. When things are slow, Vegas tends to kind of lead the, the market down. Right. So Q3, Q4 uh, were ugly. Right. They were ugly. Inventory shot through the roof. Interest rates really panicked everybody. And we, we saw about an 11 percent pullback in terms of, of home values in a, like a six month period. Um, but since uh, since we've kind of stabilized, we've now seen pricing hold for about four months. Inventory is coming back down. Number of sales are going back up. Pendings are going back up. And then, you know, just the age, you know, the age old process of if you price it right, it's going to sell and it's going to sell pretty quickly. So we're starting to see that again, which is uh, probably a, a really nice, uh, uh, you know, reprieve for, for some of us who've been doing this as long as we have. Yeah. A high amplitude city. I like that as a description because you think about yeah. like Sacramento, yeah. uh, you know, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Arizona, Austin, Texas. It wasn't like that for Austin in the last cycle back in 05, but it definitely right. has been, you know, in this time from like 2014, 2015 on. Yeah. Um, and so there's some of those places where it's very extreme, where you have some cities. The funny thing is part of the reason I, I, I started coming out to business in Texas is I was tired of the extreme. That I want to go someplace where prices yeah. never go up. It just stays steady and boring because I'm tired of the, the jump. Uh, but anyway, I get when, it, but when it went up, I felt really lucky. And when it's now corrected back down, it's like, oh yeah, I've been here yeah. before. Something we're seeing in the market right now. You, I mean, you just gave the point of when you list it right, it sells. I feel like it's a lot like 2010. And I feel yeah. like that, and a slightly yeah. different experience. In 2010, we'd have a lot of houses listed on the market, but they would be bank owned or, or really they were like mostly short sales. So like a bunch right. of houses listed for $500,000 as a short sale. Um, and like people could only afford to pay like 300,000 or they could only really, or it was only gonna appraise for 300,000. One of the problems we had back then, it was less about lending and more about appraisals. Right. But then you had a house where there was two foreclosures in the neighborhood at 300. So even if somebody wanted to pay 500 for that house, for that short sale, they couldn't because it was only going to appraise for 300. So the only stuff that sold was 300. So you could have a you know 20 houses on the market in a neighborhood, 
but the only ones selling weren't going to be the 500s. They were the 300s and the 500 ones never sold or became foreclosures. Right. And I feel like that's kind of similar now in some of our markets out here because we've got some neighborhoods where we have sellers that like bought for four, 450. They've got 3% rates on it. They want to sell that house for 500. But now the first time home buyer in that area can only afford 300. They will pay 300. Stuff is selling at 300. But it's almost like 75% of the stuff listed on the market just isn't going to sell. I'm seeing a big gap between active list price and then median close price. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily people offering 20% under. It's just the people that are you know, at market or 20% less than the others. Any similarities out in Vegas with that right now? You know, uh, yes, to, to an extent, right? And it's funny that you mentioned 2010, because for those of you watching at home, that's when, that's when you and I actually started uh, business together, right? It was 2010. Yep. I still remember the first house that we, we bought with you at auction, right? Um, yep. And even back then, right, as you said, we were, we were selling things, we were buying them cheap and trying trying to get market value, right? Not not where this market where people were going and trying to be outliers on every sale, right? So that was, so we are seeing a very similar kind of market here. Um, our closed price to, to list price is actually pretty, it's still close to 100%, but we were over 100% a year ago, right? We were at like, the meeting was like 100.5%. We're now down to like 98, 97.5%. So it still sounds like it's good, but it's you, know, you start thinking about the amount of drop we have seen. The other thing I don't love about that stat is it's based on the last list price. So it's not based on the original list price, it's based on the last list price, right? So we've seen people that have priced in their, you know, 40, 50, $60,000 price reduction, and then it gets, you know, then it goes into contract. So, you know, like anything else, and you and I have talked about data for as long as we've known each other, you know, data can be kind of uh, manipulated however you want to, to kind of look. Yeah. Yeah. You can use it for your argument. It's That's a great point that the, that the closed price compared to list price, it's not based on you know, how, when it started and the, and, and really the, the smart people that are selling stuff are the ones that are changing it to the price point, whether it's been on the market for 180 days and they dropped it 20% or it's been on the market for one day and they just came in at the right stuff. So the, so how many, how many trend, what's your team look like now and how many transactions you guys do in a year out there? Yeah. So that's, a, you know, that, that changes day by day, right? So we are, as of today, we've got about, uh, there's 19 of us. I've got 19 agents. Um, kind of just went through a little bit of a, a reorganization, uh, took back some control, if you will. Um, I uh, I kind of handed the keys off for a little bit, right? Kind of went into ownership mode and not and not management mode, and and I realized, you know, we're building everything we're building is based on our our company culture, right? Core values, company culture, to me, is so important. Um, and you know, we, to be fr frankly, you know, honest, we, we kind of lost that a little bit, right? And, and you know, the vibe is is kind of me, right? I'm, as you know, I'm a high energy guy. I'm, I'm, you know, really into kind of uplifting people. We can talk about the coaching stuff, but we kind of lost that for a little bit. So we're regaining it. Uh, we got about 18, yeah, 18 agents that is, you know, people that that see eye to eye with how we do our business and you know try to get better every single day because that's the important thing. Um, Last year we did about 170 total deals, which was which was really good. Uh, 2021 we did about 240 deals, so we, we did have a decline last year. Um, but a lot of that was obviously you know Vegas. The last six months of, of 2022 was off 40 percent in terms of sales volume. So we're we're back uh, back moving. We're probably gonna probably hit around that 150 170 mark as we kind of come through this and, and with the right people, right? And that's the important thing. It's surrounding ourselves with, with the people that, that I really want to be around and that understand the value we, we have here. Yeah. It's, um, so what do you think you're going to do this year? Volume number? We'll probably do between 75 and, and 90 million. It'd be, it'd be my, my guess. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's interesting. We talk about like growth mode versus not, or ownership mode versus yeah. not. Some people, I, I've had, I've had the toughest time in my own journeys with that. Yeah. Right. The, I actually, um, I mean, about a month ago I went and drove houses at auction. I went and bought a house at auction and I fixed it and I listed it and sold it. I wanted to try this experiment to see if it was really like 2010 okay. because in, in the market right now it's really, really slow in central Texas and prices come down a lot, but I'm like, well, and if the funny thing is there's different parts of times I try to grow my businesses and some of my businesses where, um, they can grow 
but if I'm working in them daily, it, I think what I've learned is if I'm working in them daily, they can grow, but I haven't been able to um, be a good enough owner or CEO to set them up to where if I'm not working in them daily, they still grow. It's like they can tread water without me. Yeah. They can yeah. tread water and stay the same. Profit can stay the same. Stuff can stay the same. Um, but there's this part about, and, and I think the other side of that too is when the, the going get tough, the tough get going idea yeah. where it's like, okay, market has changed yeah. a little bit. It's a little bit tougher. Um, I can't, I can't sustain the same level of overhead. So I can't, I'm not going to have drivers and bidders for all of it. I'm going to do it myself and yeah. I'll do it and you know, whatever. So there, I think there's that part of it too, that tends to pull me back because real estate is this kind of seasonal battle, but you guys are doing good volume out there. Yeah. I mean, 19 yeah. agents. That's a, that's a big team it, in, in my, it, in my mind. It is right. And you know, and, and look, complacency is a disease, right? You and I both have dealt with this before and, you know, you take your foot off the gas cause you feel like you're doing well. Um, and, and then the next thing, you know, you're, you're back to you, not just treading water, but you, you need to forcefully swim to kind of keep up with things. Right. So, um, you know, I, nothing, there's no such thing as failure, right? It's learning from it and moving forward and kind of dusting yourself off and, and going, all right, here's where we are again, right? So maybe as you, you know, you're driving properties, I'm showing property tomorrow, right? I don't, I don't show property anymore. And I'm, I'm meeting with clients, I'm showing property tomorrow because you just, you know, you gotta get your hands dirty. You gotta do what you gotta do when it's just, you know, tough, you know, tough times, the tough get going kind of thing. Yeah. So we, so when we started working together, we were doing, you know, foreclosures, buying houses, fixing them, selling them. And so your leads were self-created yeah. at the beginning, more yeah. or less. Like if you were getting a listing lead, the it was because it was like one that we went and bought the foreclosure first. So you were creating yeah. the market. You were creating your market. You were creating your clients. And you got to learn a lot about real estate during that time. Yeah. But then you had to like convert that to a whole different style when you moved out to Vegas. But yeah. what are some things that like, you either learned during that time that you use today or stuff that you know now that you wish you would have known back then? That's a good question, right? So creating your own inventory was, was fantastic, right? You know, like there's nothing better than being able to create nothing your better, own listings, yeah. right? It, so what, what I learned and what we learned quickly, even working in the Central California Valley with you and then, you know, and then translating it to, <clears throat> to Vegas was... You know, we had come from, you know, we didn't come from here, but we spent time in Vegas, but nobody really spends time in Vegas like a resident does, right? You're at the strip, right. you're having fun. Um, the hard work of those first six months we were here, I probably drove 15 to 20,000 miles and I probably comped 7,000 houses. Yeah. Right. And, and that, that number, you were like, yep, that sounds about right. That's the number. That's the only way to learn this market as quickly as, as we did. So I think like anything else, I was forced to because I was learning how to create my own inventory and I was learning how to create my own listings. Um, but that translated, that skill translated just to, I now know the market better than most agents. And I did very quickly because of that repetition. Um, yeah, I know you're a reader, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, and, and outliers talks about like the 10,000 hours you need to put into something to be proficient at it and to be, you know, excel at it. I think you and I, and, and people that learned the business, the way we started this business 10, 15 years ago was getting those 10,000 hours in real fast because we were driving properties. We were driving neighborhoods. We were comping houses. We were seeing what people were, the demand was upfront and, and personally. Right. So I think that really <clears throat> gave us a fast forward approach into, into this business that most agents who just go to real estate school and say, I'm going to go look for a traditional buyer or seller. They don't have that need to do that much work that quickly. Um, when I'm talking to our new agents now, I say, pick houses and just start comping them, right? Get, you know, take a list of every single new house that hits the market and, and give me a price of what you think it should be listed for. That's the, you got to get those reps, right? You got to get those repetitions in. you got to get those at bats, whatever the analogy you want to use in comping houses, especially in an area like Las Vegas, where a vast majority of them are tract built homes is the best and fastest way to learn the market. Yeah. It's, it, it's such a, it's such a great point because the, and, and the way that Jeff's talking about comping properties here is so we were foreclosure buyers and you would have a hundred houses going to sale tomorrow. 
And so you would be comping all of them to say, what will this sell for? But it was a game of like half a percent or $500 or $1,000 that you would miss the property on. So we couldn't say this thing's going to sell for somewhere between 230 and 245 yeah. right? We had to say we are going to net 233500 on this one when we sell it. We had to come up with our exact because our bid would be to that exact amount. And sometimes we would get outbid by $500, by $1,000 and stop. So you're putting in lots of reps, 100 100 houses a day, 50 houses a day, comping them and comping them down to like perfection of, you know, what is it absolutely going to sell for? And then because you take so much time in that, then when you buy and fix and flip the house, you're making your profit based on what you sell. So it really like, firms up the number afterward. If it sells for what you said it was, you're like, great. If it doesn't, you know exactly why. You're like, I didn't realize that the dogs next door were going to affect the value so much. I didn't realize the water tower was going to affect the the, the value so much. So you get those reps in and in a market, uh, in a challenging market like we have today, right? And challenging in the fact that it's just not a, a, a year ago, you didn't have to know what to price something at. You would put it on the market and the market would tell you what it was worth. Everyone would just make the offers. Um, but in a challenging market, you need to know what it's going to price at, what it's going to sell at. You can't say like, I think it's going to sell for 250 but I'll just list it at 260 and see what's going to happen right now. So I love that idea of getting those reps in because now you, 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 know, you need that uh, to be able to succeed. Now and you see the difference of those neighborhoods. And a gal that I was just interviewing was talking about, she focuses on you know, specific neighborhoods. And one of the one of the the challenges about you know track home neighborhoods is you could have three different builders on the street yep. that have three very different spec levels, and you can go, why is this house for two thousand yep. square feet selling for thirty grand more than this house at two thousand square feet? I still remember a, a neighborhood Arches in Sacramento mm-hmm. where there was this twenty three seventy one square foot plan that always sold for thirty thousand dollars more than the other ones that were a similar size on that street because everybody loved that floor plan. And you get that by by putting in the reps and getting that advantage. So you're having all your new agents do that mm-hmm. and growing. So there was a period of time where you had to make a big transition from having your own inventory and building your own, like essentially foreclosures dried up. Yeah, Foreclosures yeah. dried up. You're in Las Vegas. <laughs> like we had this business where you're making profits, you're making commissions and all of a sudden it stopped <laughs> and it stopped for you. It stopped for me. Blackstone had come yeah. in and they put us all out of business. Yeah. Yeah. And you, what was that like for you? So when Blackstone puts us out of business and and you and I haven't really talked about this, but I'm assuming it felt it was similar to ours. You're in Vegas, you have a working business. All of a sudden you don't. What was that like for you mentally? What was the transition like to come back? What'd you go through? It, you know, look like scary, like anything else. Right. So got married in the end of 2012 and our oldest kid, our oldest daughter, Mackenzie was born in May of 2014. So right when this merry-go-round was, was slowing down, right? It hadn't stopped yet, but by then Blackstone, Wedgwood, all the big, all the big guys, you know, anybody who had a, a good size fund was buying homes in Las Vegas. So, you know, sitting in the parking lot, you know, at the, you know, with the cashier's checks that I wasn't able to use, it, it, it got, really, really discouraging for a while. Um, I remember specifically, actually, it's, this is actually a pretty good story. I remember specifically one day I had been invited by a title rep to go to a half day. Uh, and this is funny because it's the, you know, the forward thinking. It was a half day um, Tom Ferry sponsored event. So this is 2014. I didn't know who Tom was. Uh, definitely wasn't Tom there. So I'm in the I'm I'm in the audience. You know, not a big maybe hundred people kind of thing. Um, and don't I couldn't tell you a single thing that the Tom Ferry person was talking about. Not a single thing. I do remember that the lunch was sponsored by Zillow. And I remember at that time. Zillow was, so this is 2014, right? It's a little different back then. They had been sold out in terms of zip code availability in Las Vegas forever. And they had just opened some more zip codes up. I think McKenzie was maybe two weeks old at this time. Okay. So Sid is at home. You know, this is probably one of the first times I've like left the house for more than an hour or two. And I am texting Sydney, uh, my wife and business partner, right? Obviously, you know, Sid, but uh, I'm texting Sid saying, hey, you know, Zillow's got some zip codes that are open in Summerlin, which is the part of town we live in. 
I said, I don't, we've never, we've never paid a dime for advertising. Um, I said, I don't know if we can afford to do this, but I don't know if we can afford not to do it. And I know looking back on it, it sounds like such a cliche, but I literally did send that text. Um, I think it was a thousand dollar commitment a month. And we get going from spending zero to having a new kid that we've never, you know, first kid. So we didn't know what was, life was in store. And then, you know, having a, you know, a thousand dollar a month bill um, sounded crazy. And the conversation kind of unfolded. And I said, okay, I've got like 15 grand in a stock account that I'm not touching. Like, so worst case scenario, like that money's, pay, you know, the, the Zillow spend is paid for. So went and signed up, had my call with them like that day or the day after. And I think that that meeting was like on a Tuesday or Wednesday. That Friday, the phone rang. And over that first weekend, there were three buyers I got connected with that ended up all doing multiple deals with us. Not right away, but it was like, this is easy, right? It, it, I felt like this was shooting fish in a barrel. So, you know, we kind of, that's how we kind of got started in the retail part of the business, if you will, where we were, you know, working with traditional buyers all of a sudden. Um, you know, I had been on the sell side for everything. Just like, you know, when you're doing flips, you're on the sell side for everything. The first buyer we represented in Las Vegas was ourselves when we bought our first house, right? So like all of a sudden I'm in the car with, with buyers and everything. So it was definitely a weird transition, um, but it was a very profitable one and it was a very profitable relationship. Um, and look, I was in a fraternity, uh, you know, back in the U of A days. I, so I joke, you know, just like with Zillow, I, I was paying for my friends. Uh, you know, the, you know, the joke of paying for your, your friends when you're fraternity, yeah. I, I paid for my friends with my clients. And that was really kind of that start. Um, and, you know, we realized, okay, now business was still maybe 50% flip, but 50%, hey, we've got clients kind of thing. And then obviously over the next two years, I think we did the last flip with the fund in 2016. So it was still like an unwinding period, but, but by then we at least had our, you know, our feet on the ground. We knew what we were doing and it was, uh, it was go time. So bought our friends, uh, still have a relationship with, with them. Um, different relationship now, obviously, but, uh, um, and I look back at all of the, you know, I'm a stat guy like you are, right? We, you and I both track stuff. So I know when I have a deal closed, I almost, it's almost like a family tree. And I, there's so many of our deals that we still close that have its infancy or, you know, it's, it's beginning from Zillow from circa 14, 15, 16. It's crazy. Hey guys, a quick commercial break here, but don't worry. This one is only going to run for the next two or three episodes. I talk so much about the mastermind. It's one of my passions, getting everybody to come hang out in Austin where I get to meet you guys. Well, we just had it you know, a few weeks ago and we decided for next year we were going to do pre-sales. We're only selling 70 tickets total for the whole country. And that way we keep it nice and small where everybody meets everybody and the end of it, it's like a big giant family. Well, we put out the pre-sales last week and in the, during the pre-sales, we sold more than 60 tickets. So there's less than 10 spots left. 10 spots left if you want to join us for the Mastermind for next year. We're putting the date so far out there. You've got no excuses um, to be able to know that the date works. You can put it in your calendar now. And we also set up a payment plan for people to break it up into four easy payments. So if you're one of those people that have thought about going to the Mastermind, have never pulled the trigger, now's the time. And it's for, it's for March for next year. But you got to go sign up now if you want that spot. I don't like selling. I don't like advertising. So we figured we would knock it out quickly. We'd knock it out, you know, this first couple weeks in April for next year. So instead of working on that, we're going to focus on value. If you do join the mastermind, you get to be a, uh, join part of our private Facebook group where we do monthly Zoom calls, where we do tactics on those calls. They're really small. There's like, you know, between 10 and 20 people on those. So you get to ask lots of questions and learn from experts. So if you are interested in signing up, go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com forward slash mastermind real estate rockstars network.com forward slash mastermind go lock in your ticket we have less than 10 spots left you can break it up into four payments so that way it is much easier to to be sure to join and i promise you it is the least expensive mastermind out there for the type of stuff that we're doing you know the go abundance masterminds that i talk about that i'm a part of cost five times what we do for this and i try to deliver twice as much value all right back to the podcast I get, I got chills as you were describing the, like the little, the little moments of change. Cause that's like, 
it's like just that that part of the hero's journey where we also have to like pivoting isn't fun and sometimes to be able to pivot like almost like for you to sign up for your first zillow ad was almost like having to admit defeat on yeah. this other life yeah. it was having to say this thing that we've been writing is now over and i yeah. had to go through it your story is very similar to matt's yeah. my brother yeah. in the sense that he was you know, me you and matt were down there doing the same thing same yeah. parts of the business yeah. and when he went up to Oregon, you know, he had tried first going out to Arizona and, and a few different spots. Like he tried a bunch of things before he got back into real estate. He took probably a two or three year gap compared to what you did. But when he got back in, it was as he was trying different things, it was like buying those first sorts of ads and then, you know, being able to to go for it, to generate and start that. It's a uh, yeah, you have to like admit defeat on one business in order to pivot properly. You have to say inside your business, whatever's going on, hey, this isn't working anymore. Right. When, whether it's laying somebody off, whether it's like closing an office, whether it's saying, Hey, we're going to do these types of houses instead. I, I, I own and run lots of different businesses and there's times when we have to pivot, but every time before the pivot is this really, really hard acceptance of the way things have always been and always worked no longer works. Yep. And the, and maybe it's not as extreme for you, but I have this moment of going like, okay, I failed. Yeah. It's over, get over it. And then sometimes I stew in there for a while. And sometimes it takes months for me to know it's over before making that change. And I'm guessing that it had been, it had started to build up when that comes on. So then so you go from this moment of like, okay, defeat. And then that go like, oh wait, there is hope. Okay. There is this new way. Like maybe instead of generating my own stuff and probably even like representing your first buyers, because at yeah. the beginning when we were like building our own listings and being the listing agents, like people would say like, can you be my buyer's rep? We're like, no, we don't write for buyers. We only we don't do, do that. Uh, yeah. We don't do that. We don't do yeah. our own listings. We'll hire somebody. We'll sell yeah. that. We'll just, we were giving buyer leads away <laughs> because we didn't know what we didn't know. So you start rebuilding your business 2014, 2016. Now you're all real estate. And you're no longer have, and now you're like on your own, on your own, on our own right? Our you didn't own, have yeah. support of a fund. Yeah. You didn't have something else that was maybe going to yeah. do it. Um, you had started to build your own, but it was your company only. What did it look yeah. like by then? Was it, was it just you and Sydney being licensed? Did you have assistants or other team members by then? Yeah. So 2016 was just Sydney and I still. So, you know, and, you know, at that point, so Mackenzie was two. So in daycare, so Sid had some time in the office. <clears throat> we had a Regis suite, right? You know, a little executive suite. Yeah. Um, and we were making it. We were doing okay. I think we probably were doing, you know, 12 to 15 million in volume, right? Which still put us firmly in the top at that point, I don't know, two, three, four, five percent of 15,000 agents. But, you know, it, it didn't feel like it was still a real business, right? It was just me running around, Sid running around and, and kind of doing everything. Uh, towards the end of 2016, we did bring on um, an agent, uh, and I say that smiling. It was actually uh, Sid's stepfather. Uh, so you know, you know, like anything else, right? Family first, and and he kind of acted as a buyer's agent for us, and, and we were kind of figuring out how to work with somebody else because uh, you know outsourcing and and you know me letting go of stuff for me back then was really hard. Um, and we started to see a little success with that. And then 2017 uh, comes and, and we're really finally ready, I, at least mentally, to, to really kind of create a business from it. We hired our first assistant. I think it was probably August of 2017. Um, and... Sydney was pregnant uh, with with Alexandria, right? And she was due in September. So I think we hired her assistant when Sid was about eight months pregnant, uh, brought another agent on, and I was ready to hand off our buyers to, to my stepfather-in-law. And literally, like right then, pivot time again, he's like, hey, we're moving back to Reno. Oh. So it was okay. So we, you know, the family that we had trusted wasn't here anymore. Um, but we, we had just bought a new agent on and it was kind of a trial by fire. And so we kind of grew like that. And we had, so it went from just Sid and I to Sydney and I, one licensed agent, one assistant. And then from there, it just, it started feeling like a business, right? We actually had payroll, right? This was not just us, right? I had to figure out how to set up payroll for one employee. I had to figure out those kind of things and, and, you know, uh, um, baby steps, but it, it, we realized, Hey, we know what we know and we know what we don't know. So let's, let's figure this out and kind of take it by day by day and kind of fake it till we make it. 
Was it still just Zillow leads then, 2017, 2018, or did you have new lead by the, now? By the very end of 2017. So it was really all just Zillow, maybe a little realtor.com stuff here and there kind of thing. Um, Zillow was always the, the 800 pound gorilla for us because we had success with it, right? Um, in the end of 2018, we, we uh, or excuse me, end of 2017, um, finally got on uh, sync is what we're still using today you know so built you know lead generating website that doubles as our crm and they do our google pay-per-click and and uh facebook ads and all that stuff so we wanted we knew we were paying you know by this time zillow was pretty expensive per lead right i look back at it now and i'm, I'm laughing when i what i thought was expensive then is, is you know would have been free now basically but yeah. uh you know, we were then like, hey, we're generating leads for a couple hundred bucks a lead on Zillow. Let's start generating more leads. So let's let's have quality and quantity. Uh, so we're generating, you know, Google pay-per-click leads for eight bucks, nine bucks a lead, something like that. So it was a good system for us as we said, okay, I want to start giving more opportunities to other agents because I do know I want to kind of maybe step back, grow this thing a little bit and see what it feels like. So... The way to do that was not in my mind with expensive Zillow leads. It was with cheaper Google pay-per-click, Facebook, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So what's it look? So now yeah. are you doing Google ads, face? Are you doing any of that stuff? Google, Facebook, yep. Zillow, so syncing? Still, do, still doing it all. Um, we are actually one of this, uh, we're on Zillow flex. So, you know, we're basically paying on the back end is, is how we do it. Um, and, and even look, even Zillow has gone, you know, everybody's taken their lumps in the last, you know, six, eight months. There were just not a lot of clicks or a lot, not a lot of connections. Uh, every, you know, almost every partner here in Vegas saw a, a dramatic drop off on the connections just because there was, you know, there was more inventory, but people were, you know, when, when rates went from three to 7% in what felt like for you and me pretty much overnight, right? Yeah. It scared everybody. I think now that we're where we are worth, you know, we're in six, six and a half, six, six and a half, seven. I think people have realized we're not in this 3% environment anymore and we probably ever. won't be ever again. So I think that's why we're seeing the demand increase because we're like, okay, it isn't what it used to be, but six is not bad historically. But, you know, so we're starting to see some of that come up. But, you know, we, you know, like I said, we're generating between 300 and 500 leads a month for our agents. Um, you know, most of it is the pay-per-click. There's some, there's still some Zillow connection. Um, we do some retargeting ads, you know, the stuff that you need to do to kind of quote unquote, stay relevant um, and, and provide those opportunities for our agents, whether they're newer agents or experienced agents. We, you know, we want to be able to provide, you know, some people need that extra oomph because they can't just rely on their SOI or they can't just rely on their own lead sources. So that's, that's kind of what, what we do for, for all of our agents. Let's unpack that a little bit. So you're so now you're doing lots of stuff for lead gen. Mm -hmm. You're paying for leads uh, in lots of different ways. You're doing online marketing. Some of it's online ads and retargeting. Um, I actually remember seeing like an ad on MSN.com that was for one of your companies uh, when you were you know you know for one of the times when you started with one of those places. I remember thinking, wow, this is wild. I'm getting a, a, an ad for Jeff's business while I'm in Vegas, right? Like it was it was great. I probably sent you a screenshot of it uh, when I saw it. So, so you're generating 300 leads a month for your agents around ish. Yeah, yeah. So how many, how many deals does that convert to? Do you think on a monthly basis? You know, re realistically, and, and I'd say this right: if everybody was doing it, it would be, it wouldn't be as good, and it's still not great, right? So we're paying, you know, we're paying not much comparatively, but you know, I think they're converting about one percent, right? Give or take one percent. So. You know, if we can close three-ish deals from it now, a month, that's about, about the average. But the cost per lead is so significantly cheap that the 1%, of course, my mind is, okay, if we're at one, what can my ROI do if I go from even one to one and a half percent conversion, right? That's an extra yeah. deal to deal and a half a month. You know, there's an extra 18 to 20 deals just from that. So... For me now, it's taking what we have and trying to tweak that that formula, if you will, and figure out what what's going on. Look, I was joking, you know, you know, Coke, Coca Cola will give you the ingredients on the can, right? They give you the ingredients. They're not telling you the formula. They're not telling you how to make it. So, like, I've got the ingredients, right? We have the ingredients. We all do, and that's what I tell our agents all the time. 
here are the ingredients. You got to figure out the best way to put it together to get you something that's going to be successful versus just a whole bunch of ingredients that don't taste the right way. It, it's a great point that there's different types of leads and there's different qualities of leads. That's one of the things that, that's, that sometimes I talk about on, uh, on Instagram, right? Is so somebody that's scheduled for foreclosure in two weeks <laughs> are a very different sales lead than um, somebody that just got their first W-2 job and they want to become a buyer, right? They haven't been pre-qualified yet. And so as you're trying to, as people are listening and trying to compare like conversion rates, right? The conversion rate of a foreclosure lead on a sales deal is going to be different than the foreclosure lead of a, you know, college graduate with their first job. So, but you're starting with that. So you're spending money on leads. And so instead of, instead of doing really expensive leads that maybe you're supposed to close one out of five, you've done the calculation that what you want is the inexpensive leads because your team can run them. You guys close one a month that gets you or 1% a month that gets you three deals. If you can figure out a change to the formula of just half a percent, you could easily change to five or six deals a month on that same expense. And then the leads get infinitely cheaper. All right. So now as we look at your business as a whole, then what are you guys going to, what are you going to do this month for referrals from leads from past past people that you've been working with? So, you know, and that's the thing, right? So I'm all the lead generating that we're doing. I am not taking leads, right? I'm not calling those leads. Like I think for me, I've been down that road, right? I've driven those houses for foreclosure, like you were talking about earlier, right? Like, and every once in a while, I'll pick up the phone and call them just to make sure I, I still, I still got it, if you will. But my personal production and my personal business at this point is all past clients, sphere of influence, and and a big part of my uh, of our business now is agent to agent referrals from you know across the country. You know, I mentioned earlier back in the, you know, you know, going to a Tom Ferry event uh, before I knew who Tom was. So I've been getting coached in that in that environment since 2016. So I'm now six and a half years into it. So I've I've met a ton of really high end producers throughout the country. Obviously, everybody knows Vegas. So um, you know, I've been able to kind of uh, uh, muster a, a good a good referral basis where you know we probably did about 10 million personal volume just in agent referrals last year. So, great. yeah. So, so that's, that's, a, so that's a great part of your business plan too, right? Oh, so yeah. buy leads is one of them. Yeah. Two, it's attend events with real estate people. Yeah. You know, be nice, be likable, you know, don't just sit in the back of the room, meet as many people as you can, let them know where you're from. So, and that's going to just get leads to just by going to events and participating and m becoming memorable, people will send you right. leads. And so that's become a good part of your stuff. What about the past client stuff? What is your, do you use a CRM? Do you do client events? What do you do to make sure you stay top of mind with those past clients? So I, I would say that there's always room for improvement, right? And, and I'm here to, to admit that there's always room for improvement. So on our personal production, um, we actually have uh, an amazing, amazing agent that's kind of, we call her our team lead. Because uh, I hate you, look, you and I have talked, I hate titles, right? I, I don't care. Like call somebody else the boss. I, I don't care. So she's our, she's our team lead. Um, and she helps me run my personal production. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm not showing buyers much, right? We're still working with buyers, but I'm not in the car showing buyers much. Casey is her name and she is, she's really good at the client touch, the Popeyes, the, you know, those kind of things um, that I, I know are important and they are, they are, you know, if you're listening, make sure your clients know who you are. Um, but I'm not one that's going to drop off, you know, a, a bag of popcorn saying just popping by, right? Which was what, something we did last year. That's important. And then the other thing is just honestly, like, using my CRM where I've actually put all of our, you know, all of our past clients live. And I just have random three, four, five touch points a year that are built in on a regular or a randomized schedule to pick up the phone and call, shoot them a quick text message, right? It doesn't have to be anything great. It just means, Hey, Hey, was in the area, thought you were doing what well, you know, wanted to see how you're doing, drove by the house. It looks good. Just build conversation and, and make sure 80, 80 plus percent of people who buy a house and then sell it don't use their agent. And the biggest reason they don't use that, that agent to help them buy the house is because they forgot who that agent is. Like, yeah. I don't, we've all lost business. I don't want to ever, ever want to lose any business. I know it's going to happen. But like that, hearing that stat was enough to make me throw up in my mouth a little bit and then realize, okay, what do we need to do to make sure we're not that one that, that loses business because people forgot who we were. 
So, you know, it's amazing. I've had somebody say yeah. we uh, we sold we sold them we sold them a house. We gave them a great deal on it because they were friends. The we didn't charge a buyer side commission, and they sold it pretty soon after for like a good markup and a good profit, and then hired somebody else to list it. Yeah. And they said we thought you were too busy. Yeah. We thought that like you wouldn't want you know you'd essentially like you know you never reached out. So the I, I like that idea of like setting a timer, setting that calendar reminder, yeah. just a text, just a call. Doesn't have to be follow up. Doesn't have to be rocket science. Now there's a no. bunch of ways people do it, right? Like the just right. popping by, cool. The people yeah. that rent out movie theaters yeah. and rent out baseball games. I think all those are amazing lead gen stuff. I think client appreciation stuff is great. But like, but what you're saying too is it's just as simple as like staying top of mind. Yeah, I love that one. Hey, I just drove by. Your house looks great. I hope you're still enjoying it. Yeah. Um, and they might say, well, actually, we were thinking about it's time for an upgrade, or actually, we have that extra kid now. Um, like it's not saying give me another deal. I hope you're still enjoying your house. The house looks great. Neighborhood well, looks great. You know, it's you know, I think I, it, it, you can it can be argued on who came up with this term first. You know, it's either Gary, you know, Gary V or somebody, but it's the whole jab, 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 right hook, right? I don't ever want to talk to if I'm leading with real estate, like that's not that's not who I am, right? Like I I am I'm going to talk to you about your family, I'm going to talk to you about your kids, I'm going to talk to you about you know what's going on with work, and oh by the way, if you ask me about real estate, great, let's have a conversation. Um, I think so many people get that commission breath and they get so worried about where their next deal is going to come from. Uh, nobody look, nobody likes to be sold. Nobody likes to be sold at all. And that includes real estate. Yes. I, I make my living. We all make our living when we buy or help somebody buy or sell a product, right? That's how we make our living. But if that's how I'm approaching my clients, my client roster is not going to be nearly as big. I know how to, I know I need to ask for the sale, right? Eventually I do need to ask for the sale, but if I position it the right way, it does come naturally, right? I, and, and the, the, you said, oh, I thought you were too busy, right? You never, you know, how many people say I'm never too busy for a referral on the back of their cards? Like that's, that's not me, but those well-timed random text messages, those well-timed, you know, <clears throat> we always send a, not a business Christmas card. We send a family Christmas card. So there, there you go. There's one thing we do on a regular basis, right? We send a family Christmas card that's got the kids on it and everything like that because we are in a transactional business, right? We are. But if you can make it a relationship, that's where the, the that SOI, that past client, like that's when the, you just get those become list me phone calls, right? Hey, I'm ready to list. We're not, you know, this is not a, this is not an interview. Like just come list the house. Right. That's, that's where we are and that's what we, you know, how we try to operate. So. Yeah. Well, you've been doing this real estate thing a long time now, right? Like the, you're, you're 13 years in plus, I know there's other stuff around, around your family business yeah. and everything else. You've been doing this real estate thing a long time and you got to face times when it was like too easy for us yeah. to sell. And then where you actually had to build a business from scratch which is even tougher when I think about like coming and building it out in Texas when I did, it's even tougher to build one from scratch when you had one that was already really, really huge that all of a sudden went to nothing. Yeah. Having a big business and then go to zero, it's a pretty discouraging thing. You had to start again and rebuild it. And now you've gone from like you to you and Sid, to you and Sid and some assistants to now 19 people. So you've really created a lot of success in a city that like you, like you said, you, you had some interest in cause you had traveled there before but it was kind of like you were licensed in Nevada, you were living in Reno. And so like maybe Nevada will, maybe Vegas will be a better opportunity, right? Like, frankly, it was like, let's go check it out. And then you had to dig in and part of it's because of volume because it's one of those yeah. big cities. So you've learned a ton. Yeah. Now what's, what's one or two things that, that now you think that you wish you would have known early or that you think that every new agent needs to know or everybody that's like, if they're facing a pivot point in their business needs to know, like, what are the, what are the, you know, just kind of the final question. Yeah. What are those things that Jeff Saylor says like, Hey, this is, this is what you need to know if you're facing this or you're new at this or, or what are you doing? Look, I think the, the biggest one, honestly, Aaron is, is, like I've got a finance degree, I've got an entrepreneurship degree, I've got an MBA, right? You know, I'm I'm educated and I'm a third generation broker. So I've I've been in this business a long time. And I grew up in this business. You know, you, same thing, right? With you, family, you know, you this is a family thing. 
the biggest thing for me, and if I were to tell like any, you know, myself 15 years ago or now, it's like nobody cares. Nobody cares about your pedigree. Like nobody cares that I graduated with honors with a finance degree. They don't. They want to know how hard you're going to work for. Right. It's that sweat equity versus check equity. Just work harder. Just keep picking up the phone. Like, and that to me, it, it's it's such a small thing. But I really, when we first got here, especially when we first got here, right? Like, okay, I had done this before. We had done the flips. We had seen success. Nobody cared. Like when we started working with like traditional clients, nobody cared that I had a degree in finance. Nobody cared that I'm a third generation. Nobody cared that we flipped, you know, hundreds of homes, right? They wanted to know what we we're going to do for them right then and there. And I, I, so my message had to get better and my really listening and processing what I could do for them rather than what I was about, right? The whole two, you know, two years, one mouth thing. We all know, you know, you, you know, you and I've known each other a long time. I'm a talker, right? I'm, I'm a, I'm a big personality and I had to realize I needed to take that step back and fully grip the fact that this is what I now do for a living. This was, you know, before it was, okay, I run a flip flood, we do this, we do that. No, I'm going to help you, Mr. and Mrs. First Time Buyer, buy a $200,000 house with every single penny you have as your down payment. Like, you were entrusting me and I needed to, to fully realize that. I hated sales growing up. Right. I think we all, you know, the, just the idea of being a salesperson really kind of turns most people off until I realized being in sales is all it is, is being comfortable talking with people and understanding what their needs are and having a passion for something. Once I actually translated that into my own stupid brain, then it got easier. It took a long time, though. I mean, it definitely took a long time. I'm still learning it. Yeah. Hey, real estate rock stars. We only have a few minutes left in this episode, but before we get to the grand finale, I just wanted to say, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You know, podcasts are obviously free. You don't have to pay to listen to the podcast, but if you could pay one thing, if I could charge you one thing to listen to this podcast, what I would ask you to do is go, please make a review. Go to wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's on YouTube or on Apple or Android, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go give me a review of the podcast. I read them. I listen to them. I try to make adjustments. You know, a couple of years ago, I had a ton of bad reviews on the sound quality or the number of advertisements, things like that. And I've really tried to dial in to add value for all of you guys. So please, please, please go do a review. If you want to get a, a copy of the toolbox of the stuff that you know, everybody that comes on the show, they give us some tactics. They give us something that we put in what we call our toolbox. And so to get that, you go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com. When you get there, click on the, the toolbox and you get access to the free gift that every person that we interview on the episode provides. There's things like, you know, uh, listing tactics, how to do a presentation, you know, how to do a newsletter, all sorts of cool, fun stuff. And if you want to talk to me, go find me on Instagram at Aaron Amuchastegui. Ask me a question. I talked to so many of you guys on there. All right, back to the show. Thanks again for being a listener. I don't think anyone's given that advice in here before. I think that's really, really great. I think the, yeah, it doesn't really like when it comes to real estate, when it comes to helping somebody buy the most important thing of their life, the most emotional thing of their life. I was just talking to an agent yeah. too about, we talk about million dollar deals fall out over a thousand dollars or an <laughs> argument. It's so right. And it's, and it's not because it's the practical thing. It's because there's so much emotion yeah. tied into this that they go like, they want somebody that's good enough. Right. But it's like that other part, they want somebody that's like skilled, like skilled enough, but they don't care about all the pedigrees. They want to go. It's like, will you work hard for me? That's really great that you've worked hard, but like, but are you too busy for me? Right. Right. right? Like yeah. I'm never too busy. Are you too busy for me? How will you work for me? Doesn't matter what you've done. It matters. What are you going to do for them? And if when you're doing your your script, your conversation, your outreach, your text, if it's saying, this is what I'm going to do for you, then that can be translated way better 
then hey, I'm really good at this. I've done it before. Like I've done it before only gets you so far for a first time home buyer making the most important decisions of their life yeah. and that the uh, and that they know it's a it's a big deal. Look, people, the, Jeff, people, this has been awesome, yeah. man. Like I, anything, I anything you want to add? You know, it's been a long time coming, right? It's uh, it's 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 uh, you know, I love watching what you've done. Uh, you know, you know, we've like you said we've we bought, you know, we probably met the end of 2009. We bought the first yep. house on that fund in I think it was April of 2010. It's just really like I said, what I love about all of this is watching how we all grow, right? I was I was working for an investment fund. I wasn't even using my license. You were going from flipping houses for your dad and one investor to growing this massive fund. But it's just about the here and now and watching transitions. But at the same time, like I am who I am and I know I'm I've evolved as a human, right? Real estate's kind of what has kind of connected us and remained connected. But like the journey, the journey is the journey. And and you know, people People want to work with people. They don't want to work with robots, right? They don't want to work with somebody who says, I do nothing but sell real estate, right? They want that environment. They want that personality. They want that person that they vibe with. And that's how you create those clients for life. And, or, you know, in this case, like friendship for life, right? We, you and I don't need to talk for years and, and we still stay connected because that's, we have that connection that can get through things like this. Yeah. The, this was a ton of fun, man. So people are, everybody knows Vegas. People are going to want to send you their referrals. Uh, you're also one of the Tom Ferry coaches uh, right now. What's the best way that people can like, if they just have a, if they want to send you a referral or they have a question or they want to get a, a better idea of how you went from one agent to 19 so quickly, what's the best way they can follow up with you direct? You know, super easy way is probably just on Instagram uh, because, you know, with emails and spam folders and this and that, right? Um at Jeff Zaylor, and it's G-E-O-F-F-Z-A-H-L-E-R, but my name's probably on the screen or whatever, but that's probably the easiest way, Aaron, um, to be honest, because then we can figure out where we go from there and, you know, get connections. I can send Calendly. Look, I'm a huge fan of Calendly, right? We just talked about how tech people don't want robots, but you got to use some kind of tech. So, look, I I'm, on a lot of the stuff I do, I'm posting Calendly links for, like, social media questions, right? So reach out. If it's a referral, awesome. I'd love to talk to you. But even if it's like, hey, I'm in this market and I've got five agents and I can't get to 10. What do I need to do? I love, look, I love talking shop. Like that's what I love doing. And, and, you know, and that's kind of what we're here for, right? It's time to give back in this business because this business has been awesome for, for my family. And, and, you know, I, I love to do it. I love real estate. I love talking shop. I got interviewed on a, on one yesterday and they were talking stats and the, uh, and he's like, thanks so much for sharing that stuff. It's like, man, I, there's nothing I love talking about more. Uh, than this real estate stuff. Well, Jeff, it's an honor. It's been fun to get to catch up today. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing so much value with my listeners. Awesome, bud. Well, I appreciate it. Best of the family. And let's actually, you know, like physically see each other next time. How's that sound? Yes, we will physically see each other next time. Real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.